My name is James, and it's an honor to be here and share with you God's word. We're in this series on the seven rhythms that have been born out because of our discipleship pathway. And so this year, we're just going to dig into it. We're going to give you not just things in your head, but also in your heart to be able to put them into practice. Uh, the worst thing is just to come to church every week and know it, but not be changed by it. And then not just in your head and your heart, but in your hands that we could do these things. And then in our feet and our habits, because we want to be people that live a life reflecting Jesus Christ. And uh, he had these habits and rhythms in his life, in his life and we want to model that for you. Now, uh, we're in a, just a little series, a sub-series on the Word of God, on reflecting on the Word of God. And I want to start by telling a story. Um, believe it or not, this is probably just going to shock you, but um, I used to run a lot. And uh, my wife and I are trying to get back into running. Uh, but I ran and ran and ran. I ran some 5Ks, some 10Ks, some marathons, um, hood to coast with Sunrise Friends. But the joy of my life showed up when I began running trails. Take a look at this on the lower right. That is in Forest Park. Everybody ever been in Forest Park? It is, is amazing, filled with all kinds of trails. And my favorite became the Wildwood Trail. And you could look at that map on the screen there. And if you start at the zoo, you park at the zoo back then when I started this in 2009, they didn't charge for parking by the hour. So it could take forever to run it and I was fine. And I would start and I would run and I would do this because they had mile markers. These beautiful trees along the trail would mark out every mile. And then actually the quarter miles, it would let you know quarter, half, three quarter. And it was beautiful because I would start out and I would run. I would first by, began by running two miles on trails. Trails are beautiful because you're in the heart of the forest. It's cool. It's quiet. There are flowers. There are trees everywhere. And uh, you're just by yourself there unless people have dogs. Uh, but that's okay too. And they run with them. But, but the beauty of running a trail is that you're just out there. And I just felt the presence of God when I ran. Not because I ran fast, um, but just because I ran. And I was out there. And I would run two miles, and then I would come back. And, you know, I went to a California school, but I know that's four miles. And, um, and then I would run three miles, and, of course, that's six. And I made four miles, which is the Piddock Mansion. And you get up to Piddock Mansion. And you could follow that trail. It's the pink trail the, on the screen there. It starts at the zoo. It winds its way 30 plus miles to get to Newberry Road. And so I kept doing it. I would run and I would add a mile or two and then I would come back and I increased it. My goal was to run the actual Wildwood Trail. And I got this crazy idea because a friend of mine, Eric, was on staff here and he and Michael, who was children's pastor, was on staff and they said, oh, let's all run the Wildwood Trail together. And so I started about three or four weeks into it. I said, how's it going? They go, what? I said, running the Wildwood Trail. They go, oh, we haven't done it yet. So I just thought, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to show these guys that me, the, the least of all runners, could do this. And I went, I did it, and week after week, and I, by the time I reached mile 12, which again, I went to a California school, double that is 24, I realized it's time to just run the whole thing. And so I drove my car down Germantown Road, and I found the trail, and it crosses the road, and I, I stopped my car, and I put a cooler in the bushes up there, and I hid it there. It had some drinks, energy drinks, and some peanut butter and honey and banana sandwiches, and I found a bush, and I hid it there, and I went and parked at the zoo, and I just started running. And it was, it was a beautiful day. It was hotter than it was supposed to be. So I ran out of water at like mile 20. Uh, but, I, you know, I just kept running and I, I just kept running and I kept running. And I finally got to the cooler at mile 25 and I, I just had to sit down for like half hour and eat and replenish myself. And I put it away and I just kept running. 
The problem, though, is when you get that far into the Wildwood Trail, there are no more markers. See that beautiful sign that says Wildwood Trail? Those fall off at about mile 20. So you don't really know where you are. If you've ever been in Forest Park, there are hundreds of trails. There are fire service roads, there are trails, and they're beautiful. But there are junction points. There are these intersections where if you don't know where you're going and you just keep barreling along, you could be on the wrong path. And I, a couple times I ended up on the wrong path as I got further and further out there with no quarter mile markers, no mile markers. In fact, by the time I got to about mile 25, 26, 27, there was only some, you know, college girls team out there just smoking me on the trail. And I would ask them, you know, every once in a while, they'd kind of go back and forth, run circles around me. And like, am I still on the right trail? Am I still on the right trail? And it was like six and a half hours later, I got to the end. My, my wife and kids, they had, they had made a little ribbon and I ran through it in a little tiny, tiny little ward. And it was great. I still have it hanging in my closet there amongst other, you know, running things. And um, I made it to the end. Now, why did I do that? Because I'm foolish. Uh, absolutely stupid. Um, no, I, I wanted to run that trail because there was beauty in that trail. And as I figured out how to do that, um, there was so much energy that it created in my life, so much discipline that it created in my life. But I realized I was in the middle of Forest Park. Now, this is before my iPhone days, before a smartphone with GPS. I had a little tiny map that, that, that is tiny. And, and you know, I, I needed like a microscope to see the road. And it didn't show you where I was. This is before all the GPS days. And, and you remember the folding maps that you'd keep in your glove box? Anybody super old like me? Okay, or maybe you're not as old, but you remember going to Costco every year to get the Thomas Guide? Remember that one? That was a glorious day. New edition of Thomas Guide, Portland metro area. You open it up and, you know, you'd have to figure out you're off the map now and go back. And I, I love having a GPS in my phone now. I would have loved to have had that along the way to take pictures and to be able to enjoy it. But in many ways, I was running blind the deeper and deeper I got into the forest. But I, as I found myself on that trail and as I finished that run and got to the end of it, I realized that by making the discipline of staying on that trail and doing that hard work, my life was different. I had seen things. I had experienced things. I had endured things that I had never experienced before. You know, I'm so thankful we don't live in the day of just, you know, going into our glove box and getting a map. I love these devices. These are amazing. I, I travel every week to see pastors in churches, and I'll just punch in the name of the church or the address of the pastor, and, and it does all the work for me, right? It's plugged into my car. I've got a screen there in my car. All I have to do is follow that trail, follow that map. It tells me the right way to go. It tells me the fastest way to go. I've got an app for my motorcycle. It tells me the curviest way to go, which is really awesome. You know, if you really want to enjoy it, take two hours and go this way, and it's the reason I ride, you know? It also tells me when the road is closed. Last night, my wife and I got back from a trip. We were at the Portland airport, and it was, uh, it was only 26, 36 degrees, which wasn't too bad. It was pretty nice and raining. And if you notice anything about the MAX line, it is completely botched right now. And so we had to stand there and catch a bus. We were over at Gateway, and we we're standing there. It's freezing, and we're working our way along. And she has her phone out there, and she's watching the little blue dot as it goes along the path of the bus and the max line and the max bus until we finally showed up and we got home. And I love knowing where I am at all times on the map. 
You see, I really believe that God wants us to have that kind of security for our lives. As a pastor, I just, I love sitting and talking with people. I love having coffee with people. I love, you know, when people just want to meet and when people pour out their lives and when they talk about the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. I love it when people, you just share the burdens on their heart and when they cry out for wisdom and I just point them to God's word. You know, I, 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 just, I just love the fact that inside God's word is contained all, everything we need for life, everything we need to be on the path that God has directed for us. In fact, what I want to share today is this simple big idea, and it's the word of God is our map for life, and this map guides us to truth and to freedom. There's a lie that's out there that says freedom is being able to do whatever you want. As a pastor of a church that's done a lot of ministry to hurting and broken people, I will tell you through their example that that's not freedom, <laughs> that's bondage. <laughs> doing whatever you wanna do does not bring freedom, it brings slavery. But doing what you ought to do, living a life that reflects the values and, of scripture, that's true and noble and right, that brings true freedom. I love to sit down with people and just hear about their life. In fact, just think about it right now for you and for me. What are you going through right now? What are you experiencing at the beginning of a new year? Uh, this last year was, you know, a great year maybe, right? No COVID for the most part. I don't know. I didn't have it last year. I had a couple times the year before. Uh, maybe the stocks, you know, crashed at the beginning, but if, you know, if you were in a stock market, you know, it ended pretty high, you know, there wasn't a lot of political debate going on, and now we're entering into that, right? Um, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you struggled in your, your work. Maybe there was a struggle in your family. Maybe some of the struggles are, struggles are deeper than that. I love Jonathan's testimony on the video. I had a chance to sit and hang with him about the questions we ask in life. Maybe the, the depths of your heart right now as you're in this room or, or watching online is, is really the question of, do I really matter? Do, do I know for sure God exists? Am I putting up an obstacle in my past to knowing true, true freedom? Is there a hurt in your life? Is there a pain in your life? Are you wondering, are you standing at a junction, at, a, at an intersection, trying to figure out which way to go? Maybe you're towards the end of the race and you're looking at that and wondering, you know, what will it look like to finish and finish well? I just want to tell you, as a guy that's walked a journey, it's almost 45 years now of knowing Jesus intimately and 37 years, I'm on my 37th year of just reading the Bible from beginning to end. I tell you that God's word is sufficient for you and for me. It doesn't answer all the questions that we have in modern life directly, but indirectly, it has all of the truth that we need to be on a path that will take us down to a successful life. Maybe not successful in the world's eyes, but successful in God's eyes. And today I want to talk about that through a specific passage of Scripture I know you know really well. In fact, the danger of preaching a passage that everybody knows so well is that everybody knows it so well already, right? But I want to, I want to take you through a passage that I hope would encourage you, would instruct you, and might even just annoy you a little bit, all right? God's word sometimes does that. 
So let's take a look at that. It's going to be on your screen. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy. It's towards the end of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verses 14, 15, and get to 16 and 17, which are really kind of where, you know, the money is right there. Uh, but it's a beautiful thing. I, I would love for you to live a life that reflects the values and truth of Scripture. And so as we look at that, that's the question I would want you to ponder. Does your life reflect the values and truths of Scripture? Because God's Word is the pathway to guide you towards that. And so it begins with a little bit of a background. And so it's just a kind of a precursor here. In verses 14 and 15, this is what we read. It says, but as for you, now what's going on? Paul, the apostle Paul, the evangelist, the missionary, who went around and planted all these churches, he's writing to his young son in the faith, Timothy. He says, but as for you, he says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Now, just this is kind of like the, the step to get into the message. But I think it's really important because Paul writes to this young man named Timothy. We don't really know a ton about him. When you read the New Testament, he does appear. Scholars think, Bible scholars think that somewhere on Paul's first missionary journey, he encountered Timothy. We know his dad was a Greek uh, descent, and so probably not a believer in Jesus or even the Jewish Messiah, but his grandmother and his mother were faithful Jewish people, and they believed in the sacred writings, the original autographs, the, the scrolls that they would have had at the time. And from Timothy's childhood, which literally it's a great word, it means nursing, like a mother nursing from her breast, since he was a baby, his mother and his grandmother had been instilling God's word into him. It's a beautiful thought. I don't know about you, but uh, that's true in my life. My mom and my grandma, they, they lived God's word in front of me and they shared it. And when the time came for the faith that they had to become my faith, when I was 14, ultimately 15 years old, um, it was because of a foundation. And this is Timothy. And then later in Paul's second journey, he enlisted Timothy on the journey of, of making disciples, of going and planting churches and being a missionary. And so this is what we know about Timothy. He had a godly heritage. And that godly heritage was about the sacred writings, about what we would call the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. And he had a genuine faith. And then he goes on and Paul says this, now he talks about that scripture. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and in training in righteousness, that the man, or we could say woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, again, I, I trust that you know this passage. I'm pretty confident that you're familiar with it. It's, it's one of those memorization type things that we learn about the Bible. But the bottom line is this. I want to walk through word for word because I think that this passage will instruct us today about being on the right path. What happens if we get off the path? How to get back on the correct path and to be strengthened as we run down that path of life. Now, a couple things here. It starts by saying breathed out. What does that mean? Well, we know at the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, in the first beginning as the, the curtains pull back, that God, he, he spoke things into existence, right? By his very breath, everything came into existence. He created mankind, and he breathed the breath of life in him. So there's something about the breath of God that's showing up in the very beginning of all creation. 
And that breath of God is the very life of God that you and I now live and we breathe and we're made in his image and we breathe that life. But as you go on and you go on through the scriptures and you see Jesus talk about the breath or the wind or the spirit, that it's God moving. And, and what I love about this is, is Paul's just saying that by the very breath of God, he, he breathed out words, he, he spoke out words through his breath that men were able to receive and they were able to write down and they were able to put pen to paper, as it were, to parchment. And it wasn't their own idea. In fact, Peter later on says this. Let me quote it for you. It says in 2 Peter 1.21, it's not on the screen, that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's a beautiful picture. Carried along is the idea of a nautical uh, wind, that if you're there in a sailboat, you're there in a, a large sailing vessel, and you've got your wind out there, that as the wind blows, it empowers the ship to travel. And that was God's breath. That it didn't come because people made it up. It wasn't cleverly invented tales. It wasn't really cool ideas. That the breath of God moved in people to write it down. And they wrote it down. And you and I today have what we call the Bible. We have 66 books and it goes from Genesis to Revelation and we have that and we have it. I guarantee you have it in your house. I guarantee you have it in your pocket. You got it on your phone, your tablet. If you don't, it's free. Just download the Bible app. It's beautiful, right? We have God's very words breathed out. They originated from his heart and they showed up on paper. And there's a reason why God breathed them out because it's profitable for you and for me now. I love books. I love reading books. I, I, I you know, read about a book and a half and, and started a book, finished it, finished another book uh, this last week. I just enjoy that. I, I, love, I love, you know, music. I love written word. I love spoken word. I listen to people, on, you know, on podcasts. And, I, you know, I listen to books. I, I love when people have put their thoughts down. I just love it. Okay, I, I try to love poetry. I'm not that cool. But I love it when people put their their heart down on paper, and they speak it out. But more than anything, we should understand this. This is God himself doing that. This is his song. This is his book. This is his letter. This is his rhythm for you and for me, written down for us so that we could know him. Now, this is what Paul goes on to say here. He says here, it's God-breathed, it's profitable, which basically means it's helpful, it's beneficial, it's productive. It will do something in our lives. And then he goes on to explain what that means. And I want to share with you four things, and this is really just what Paul shared, four things that God's word will do that's profitable for us. Two of them are positive, two of them are negative, and they go together beautifully. And I want to think about it in terms of a pathway. I want to think about it in terms of a trail that you could run or you could walk in life. And at first of all, Paul says that the Bible is profitable for teaching us. The idea of teaching us is just instructing us on the basics of life. Um, it, it, it's just like, here's what you need to know. And if you think about, you know, teaching someone something, if you're trying to train them in something, you give them instruction, you give them opportunity, give them experience. God's breathed out word is sufficient, is proficient, it is helpful, it is profitable for us in the area of teaching. Do you want to know God? Do you want to know about God? Do you want to know the experience of other people that walked with God? It's contained in God's word. It's the, it's the head stuff. It's where you walk through and you learn about these things. Now, the Bible isn't a theology textbook in that sense. It's definitely not systematic. It's kind of all over the map, but you could read it through these stories of people 
like you and like me that walked with God. Now, you think about it. If a person in this day and age is never taught to read, they're going to miss out on so much of the beauty of life, so much of the experiences of other people if you don't read. But if you don't read the Bible and you know how to read, you're missing out on the experience of God. So for a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, to have a Bible and not read it is, is just is, is, is surprising. It's shocking to me. Because as a follower of Jesus, we have his very words breathed out, and God wants to teach us all that we need to know to live this life, and he gives it to us. Now, so go back to the pathway. When I had that map of the Wildwood Trail, when I read about it, when I saw pictures about it, when I parked my car at the zoo and I started down that path, there were clear start signs. There were clear signs that says, you are on the right path. And I began to run that path. That's God's word. It gets us on the right path. It shows us the right path. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm here to tell you, there are a lot of pathways in life, right? He himself said, there's a way that brings death, right? There's a road that's wide that leads to destruction. And then there's this narrow road and few people find it, right? Psalm chapter one, what does it say? There are a couple ways. There's the way of foolishness. There's the way of righteousness. You know, where are you gonna plant yourself? A tree by the streams of water? You're gonna, you're gonna walk, you're gonna sit, you're gonna enjoy something else? That's gonna lead to destruction. There are many paths in this life. And God's word, first and foremost, it shows us the correct path and it takes us down the path. Number two, Paul says, it's profitable for reproof. Reproof is when it rebukes us. Uh, I don't like it. Reproof is like a two-by-four against the head, okay, uh, which is pretty brutal, right? But sometimes God's word just cuts deep into our heart and says, hey, moron, you're wrong, okay? Anybody ever have that when you read the Bible or, or you know, you've read it and all of a sudden God reveals it to you? Come, raise your hand. Come on, there's more of you that only half of us have been rebuked? I don't know what Bible you're reading, the Bible is so good at showing us the errors of our ways. See, God is a father. He's a heavenly father, but he's a father that loves us. And, and the Bible says very clearly that if we go off the path, he loves us so much that he doesn't just let us wander away off into destruction. He will tell us the truth about our lives, and sometimes it's not pretty. Remember that story of David? David's king, he's got everything going on for him, and then he doesn't go to war, and then, you know, this Bathsheba thing, and, and he tries to hide it because she's pregnant and kills the man, and it's just a really good bedtime story for your kids. I love it, and it's great. And, and yet, then he's like, oh, everything's okay. Nobody's going to find out. And this Nathan guy, this prophet comes in, just like the Word of God does, tells this story and pierces his heart. And in my mind, points his bony little finger in David's chest and says, you are that man. And David repents. See, that's God's word. You need it and I need it. Because you know what? Sometimes we get off the path. Sometimes we get confused and we get off the path. Sometimes we think we're a lot smarter than the person who put the path there and we take off on another path. I will tell you, when I was running the Wildwood Trail, there were a number of times I would get on the wrong path and I'd have to stop and I'd look around and I would go back and try to read the sign, pick it up, which way is it supposed to go? Where was the wind blowing? How does the dirt, you know, it's like, okay, I, I got to go back on that one. Or I'd ask somebody, am I, am I still in the Wildwood? No, you're on something else. Okay, how do I get back? That's what God's word does. As we're on the path, sometimes you and I, in our willful desire to disobey. Can, can I get an amen on that? Right? Honestly, let's be honest. And our willful desire to disobey because something else looks better for us out there, we will get off the path. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. 
Sometimes the life that we have is so difficult and so challenging, so hard that, that our hearts are broken and we find ourselves pursuing something else. And we haven't really thought about it. It's just what our heart is telling us to do. And in our mind, it looks good. It looks right. And we get off the path. I can't tell you the number of times as a pastor, I've had to sit with people, sit with people and say these words. God never promised happiness, but you pursue him, he promises holiness, and that's where true joy is found. But Pastor James, God's want, God wants me to be happy. I'm like, that is not in my Bible. What is in my Bible is God wants you to be holy, and he will bring true joy into your life because sometimes we get off the path. So God's word is profitable to teach us the right path, to reprove, to you know, tell us about our foolish behavior, and then number three, to correct us. Uh, you know, so reproof is like pointing out the wrong, and that's good. We need that. But correcting us is getting us back on the right path, it is lovingly coming alongside of us and getting us back to the place that we should have been all along. I love that scripture in, in Galatians where uh, Paul is writing, and he writes them, and he talks about people that have fallen by the wayside. The idea is sin. They've fallen into a ditch. And he says what we should do is we should get underneath and shoulder their burden and carry them along. Be careful because we don't want to fall as well into that sin. But that's what God's word does. Through God's spirit, he gives us his wisdom and he, he, he doesn't just point out the wrong. He lovingly corrects us and he gets us back on the right path. And God is a good, good father who gives us that firm foundation. But you and I get off of that path. And yet he doesn't just leave us to wander around completely broken. He will send his people he will send the scripture that we've got in our lives. He will provide circumstances that will remind us that he's a father that loves us and urges us to get back on the path. And he corrects us and he gets us there. I'm telling you, I, I loved it when I was at the very end of the Wildwood and I was completely lost. I had no idea where I was, what I was gonna do. There was no cell phone service. I didn't even have a cell phone. I had a little iPod Nano that provided music. That's all I had. And, and when, those, when those young cows were running like the speed of light past me, and I would stop them and I would say, hey, is this still the Wildwood Trail? And they would say, yes. That brought incredible comfort to my heart to know that even though I had been a little lost, I had gotten back on the correct path. And so the Bible teaches us. It, it reproves or rebukes us. It corrects us. And I love what Paul says. He says that the Bible is profitable for one more thing, and that's training. Training in righteousness. Now, this is a beautiful word because it was a word originally used of raising children. You know, when you think about a little baby and it's learning to walk and learning to run and learning to touch stuff that's not supposed to touch, right? And, and the idea is a parent who's doing everything he or she could do to train them up to live a life as a real human being, right? That's what God's word is for us. It later began to be used of any kind of training to completion. You go through a school. You want to learn how to fly? You go through an avionics school. You go through school. You go to Hillsborough Airport, right? You, learn how to, you want to learn how to do computers? You go to, you know, University of Oregon. You, you know, Oregon State, sorry, if any Beaver fans here, I, I really apologize. Oregon State is the only school to go for that. Amen. Okay. All right. Football, on the other hand, that's a different school. Um, but you want to learn how to do those things? You go into a program that will make you mature. That is the idea of training. See, God's word, again, it's a path. And when we're on the path, and at times we get off the path, it tells us lovingly, gets us back on the path, and it strengthens us to stay on the correct path. Because God desires us to get to the end. Because at the end, we find him, 
and we experience him, life as he intends for it to be for you and me. The word of God is our map for life, and the map guides us to truth and freedom. And I'll tell you what, it's not a good luck charm. Don't just stick your Bible, you know, under your bed, under your pillow, and just hope by osmosis you'll get it. The Bible should be read. The Bible should be experienced. The Bible should be enjoyed because it's stories of people like you and me. And in it, God teaches us and he trains us and he prepares us for life. Um, he says, so that the man, or I would say woman of God as well, could be complete, equipped for every good work. The idea is you're proficient. God has, in another passage of scripture, designed you, created you to experience good works that he's put in front of you. And God wants you to do that. And I look back at my life, I'm 59, and I experienced so many good works that God had set in the path for me. But in order to be ready to do those, in order to be complete to do those things, I had to be filled up with the Word of God. I had to be strong in the Word of God. I had to get on the right path, stay on the right path, and if I got off, get back on the path and let God train me to do that so that I could experience those good things that He put in place right in front of me so that I could enjoy those so other people could be blessed. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I guarantee I'm not the sharpest you know, tool in the shed, as they say. But I know this. As I year over year reflect on Scripture and read it, it changes me. I don't know if you remember this. We did that reveal study. Pastor Paul talked about it um, at the first Sunday a couple weeks ago. Uh, but we did it in 2013 and 15, 18 as well. And the reveal study said this one thing, and it just always stuck with me. It said that thousands of churches and many more tens of thousands of people who've walked through the survey have revealed one thing to be true, that the number one catalyst for growth, the number one way you can take a step to be strong in your faith, close in your relationship with God is simply this. It's not coming to Sunday morning at nine o'clock service. Shock of all shocks. Not even the 11 o'clock service, okay? <laughs> but thank you for being here. It's not being in a small group. But man, I, I love small group. I love the life of community. You know what it is? It's daily reading and reflecting on the Bible. It's just that. It's as simple as, as Paul said last week, opening up and reading a chapter. If you read a chapter every day, you could get through the whole New Testament in a year. Maybe, maybe a chapter is too much. Read a paragraph, okay? To get a Bible, highlight it, get up one of those, remember you got bookmarks, whatever, you know, just find a place to say, okay, I started here, I stopped here. Get up in the morning and just pick up and continue where you were and read five or six verses and then put that marker down, close the Bible, put it by your bedside, go live your day. But as you live your day, think about it, reflect on it, mull it over. The Bible uses a word called meditate on it. The number one thing you could do for your own as a catalyst for spiritual growth is daily reading and reflecting on Scripture. Because in it are contained the very, are, are, they are the words of God, but contain the words of God for you for that moment, in that time, and God's Spirit will interact with His Word inside of you. And we'll do these things. It will, it will get you on the path. It will tell you you're on the wrong path. It'll get you back on the correct back path. It'll strengthen you along that path. The reality is, is that it's futile and foolish to live a Christian life without immersing yourself in Scripture. Um, some of you are wondering, what in the world is that bucket doing here? Our lives, our minds are like a sponge, and we absorb a lot. The question is, what happens when life squeezes us? Uh, the reality is, and I learned this a number of years ago from a professor, he said it this way, that when we're squeezed, 
We should have Scripture-soaked minds. Think about that. Scripture-soaked minds. Now, we all soak our mind in something, right? <laughs> we all do. I mean, we live life. We, you know, we check out media. We watch cable news. We read things, right? We, we, you know, we, we watch Netflix, Amazon. We, we consume so much. But whatever you soak your mind in, that's what will come out when you're squeezed. And as followers of Jesus Christ, the one who had soaked his own mind in Scripture, when he was tempted, when he was probed, when he was asked questions, when he walked his journey, he's constantly quoting the Word of God. Guess what he had? Jesus had a Scripture-soaked mind. So, so what are you soaking your mind in? What are you soaking your mind in? That will tell you where you end up. That will give you the answer to it. John Piper recently said this. John Piper's a pastor. He says, I've never met a mature, faithful, strong, spiritually discerning Christian who is not full of Scripture. I'll say with the Scripture-soaked mind, right? Devoted regular meditation on Scripture and given to storing it in the heart through Bible memorization. Now, there's so much more to the Christian life than reading the Bible. Absolutely. But not less. It's not less than that. You start there, and God takes you on a journey. Now, I want to close with a couple of conversations because I've been mulling this over in my mind. Like, how do I kind of bring this home? So I had, uh, I had coffee with a friend maybe three weeks ago a month, Randy May. Randy heads up the parking team, and um, I just, I've known Randy for many years, love him. And we're talking about the Bible. And I said, hey, Randy, I'm going to be preaching about God's Word and this idea of Scripture-soaked minds. W would, you, would you just write me an email and tell me about your journey? Because he was talking about reading it and hanging out with guys. I'm just going to read you some of the things we talked about. He says, you know, we must learn to read the Bible with our minds, okay, with our heads. We've got to understand what it says. And it was written 2,000 years ago, three plus thousand years ago, 4,000 years ago. It was written a long time ago. Different culture, different customs, different language. We've got to read the Bible with our minds. We've got to read it with our heads, okay? We've got to figure out what it said to those original people. That takes a little bit of work, okay? We've got to read it with our heads in order to understand what's being said. But then we've got to read the Bible with our hearts, because even though it, it, it took place back then, it can still take place right now. But that only happens as we allow God's word to read our own heart and to study it and to change us. And I was sitting last week uh, with Dean Holly, another good friend known for just dozens of years. And again, the same thing. My question to him was more like, why don't we do it? You know, um, Dean's like me, recovering Pharisee, you know, we, we're all truth and we know everything and then, but we're not very nice, you know what I mean? Not Dean, but me. Um, and so we've, you know, we've kind of walked a path, right, of like, okay, so we know stuff, but why don't we do it? Because that's, okay, raise your hand. Have you ever known something but you didn't know how to put it into practice? Of course. Okay, some of you, you need to think about it. There are times you know stuff you don't do. Why is that? I thought I would just read a Bible. I thought I'd just read a verse. Now I don't do it. Why not? So we talked about that. Here's a couple things. You know, we were talking about this, and he says there's a challenge in putting the Word of God into action in our lives. problem is we've packed our lives. We've, we've immersed ourselves with so much other stuff, right? That's what we've done. We've immersed our minds in other things. We've packed our mind with so much garbage, so many traumatic experiences, that even though we know it up here, it sometimes doesn't affect the way we live. Honestly, putting the Word of God into practice can be incredibly difficult, depending on the experiences of our life, the trauma of our life. Because our brains are hardwired to resist a change. It's like 
it's like we have ruts, like you're driving on a road, you know, and all of a sudden you go into a rut. That's what our minds are like. And when we've damaged our minds, we've damaged our ability to stay in the right path. That's why Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this word, world, but be transformed. He says, by the renewing of your mind. We have to renew our mind. We have to create new good ruts new good pathways, neural pathways that normally would resist God's word because we've programmed it for something else to now we need to reprogram our mind. I'll never forget the story of John Mitchell, who is the president of Multnomah Bible College, who one of the professors that, that I studied under told the story. He said, hey, back in the day, John Mitchell, I caught him in the chapel there with three by five cards memorizing the Bible. I'm like, he's the guy that said, if it's the Bible you want, you Multnomah. And he's the guy that says, don't you students ever read the Bible? He was all about the Bible. And so he approached me and said, so why are, you, why are you memorizing the Bible? He goes, I have to reprogram my brain because I forget stuff and the world reprograms it. I've got to go back to the very truth of God. I've got to constantly immerse myself in it because my mind wants to go that way. And so here's what I'd like to close with today. It's just a simple thought. What would it take? What would it take for you to daily read and then reflect on God's word? I mean, because the word of God is our map for life. It is the road we would go down. It's the way to experience truth. It's the way to experience life. It's the way to experience freedom. So when you think about the Bible, when you think about God's word, and, and I, I probably have some actual paper copies. Most of mine are electronic. When you think about the Bible and holding the Bible, you know, where have you walked with it? Where has it walked with you? Where are you on that path? Some of you, maybe in some of the baptism videos you could see, they're so beautiful. People that tried to get on the path but fell off the path into other things that seemed like life, but they were not life. They were slavery, right? They were bondage. And then God's word got them back on the path. Maybe their questions were intellectual. Maybe their, their heart was hard. Maybe they resisted it because of other experiences. But then they got on the path and God brought them back to truth and to maturity. So where are you on the path? And I want to just close with a prayer. And I want to do it this way. I want us to close our eyes. I want us to just allow the word of God to, to penetrate into our heart right now in those ways that God's breathed out spirit-filled word would be profitable for us. When you think about a path, you think about a road that you're going down, some, some of you I just would ask, are you really on the right path? Are you truly on the correct path? Maybe you're not. God's instruction for you is get on that path. It trains us. It teaches us about the true path. Why would you walk life knowing there's a good path out there for you and not want to get on that path? Knowing that there's a journey to explore this relationship with a loving heavenly father, a spirit that wants to reside inside of you, a Savior, Jesus Christ, that has died for your sins. Why would you not want to be on that path? For some of you, maybe you need to consider if you're actually on the right path. Maybe you've got a lot of religion. Maybe you go to church, but maybe you've not got onto the path. You could do that today. For some, the Word of God is like a two-by-four, and it's hitting your head right now, and it's telling you you're on the wrong path. You're walking into areas, you're going off on trails you're not supposed to go down and you know it maybe nobody else knows it but you know it god god knows it and he's telling you over and over and over again wrong path wrong path wrong path why would you not want to heed that and get back on the correct path however difficult and challenging or embarrassing that might be and some of you 
You know, you're back on the path and you're there and you need to be trained and you need to be filled back up. You need to be strengthened on that path. Friends, don't do that alone. Do that in community. This discipleship pathway that we have at Sunrise is, is not a Lone Ranger pathway. It's a pathway of fellow walkers of the path. And the only way to feel, experience the fullness of that journey of God's word in your life is with the community of God's people. So my encouragement today would be wherever you are in relationship to the path of God's word, the life that he's laid out before you, my question is what step do you need to take? You need to get on the path? We'd love to pray with you and show you that path. It's right in scripture. Jesus himself is the path. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you've been kind of journeying off the path, we'd love to talk with you and show you the, the truth of the path. And we'd love to get you back on the right path. We'd love to get you strong on the path. What decision do you need to make today in relationship to the truth of God that God himself breathed out to you that could be very, very words of life. Father, I thank you for the ability to walk this journey. None of us can take pride in it. None of us can boast about ourselves. But we're all on a path, and we can say, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And there's a whole bunch of people here that would love to walk with others down that path. May we be people of that path who daily read and reflect on Scripture that your spirit takes the word of God and embeds it in our heart to live it out to a world that needs to see people who are changed by you, need to see and experience truth. May we be the people that are so loving and filled up with you and experience you through your word that the world sees it and wants to know. And then we get to answer the question. Thank you for providing your word and the ways it came to us. It's just amazing. And the sufficiency of it and the accuracy of it, we're just, we're blown away that you'd love us so much, Father. May we be the people of the word. We pray in your name. Amen.